Political Dissidents, a political and social commentary podcast where we dive into convoluted issues facing our country. I'm your host, Josue Miguel, and thank you for joining me in my first ever episode. I'm extremely excited to be bringing you thoughtful and impactful commentary. Today I will be talking about key issues facing the middle and lower class, how the wealth of the 1% and its billions are used to divide us as a nation, specifically through social media, from political parties and corporate interests. The internet has evolved into a massive amalgam of information that has exceeded any normal bounds of measurement. According to an article by Science Focus, they estimate that between the big four, known as Google, Amazon, Microsoft, and Facebook, they store 1,200 petabytes of data between them. That is about 1.2 million terabytes. One terabyte alone is 1,000 gigabytes to put it in perspectives. If you add it all up, it's equal to 1 billion 200 million gigabytes. That's a lot of data. This article was published a while ago, so who knows just how much information has accumulated since. With all of this knowledge comes much grief, and with much grief comes sorrow. This power is too great for any one man to bear, let alone corporations with different interests. According to a recent article by Statista, in 2021, 91.9% of all U.S. marketers and companies larger than 100 employees were expected to use social media. With that many players in the field promoting their ideas and services, they have spent $17 billion in 2019 on social media marketing, almost a $10 billion increase compared to 2014. And this is not just general or random marketing. They used all the data mined from all the services and products that we use online. Every ad concocted to appeal to every individual. That is just corporate marketing alone, not including political marketing. According to Statista, about $1.79 billion on political ads have been spent on digital media in the U.S. 2018. An estimated $2.84 billion in 2020. So much money going into such a big industry. But what fuels the division in our country? It's highly unlikely that an ad for a cheeseburger that you get on your phone is making Americans hate one another. So let us delve into this pit of social media madness. Echo chambers and misinformation. Many of us are part of numerous social media platforms, which with all this access, one would think that we would bridge with one another no matter where we live, what we do, or who we are. According to an article published by the Aspen Institute and scientist Robert Putnam, these connections that transcend social divisions are known as bridging social capital, quote, quote. But even though it should be expanding and pervasive, the fact is social media is tearing us apart. The average American uses social media to connect with like-minded individuals different from bridging social capital. This is known as, quote, bonding social capital, end quote. While connecting with people like us makes us feel part of something bigger and whole, it doesn't bring people who think differently together. This creates an apathy towards individuals who do not share like-minded ideas and fuels a conflict in understanding one another and addressing many of our problems. 
You see this a lot. You go into any online chat room and you always see people fighting about any kind of idea that goes against the norm or their already instilled belief. Before the digital age of information, bridging social capital was vastly prevalent in our societies. According to the same article by the Aspen Institute, there are two main factors contributing to this. The first being there were many more neighborhoods and communities that mix people of different socioeconomic classes and backgrounds, meaning unlike hiding behind anonymity or algorithms that social media platforms provide for us to make sure that, fil that it filters opposing views, people were forced to encounter each other in daily life and build friendships, mutual respect, and greater understanding. This is what created a stable social fabric. So for example, black churches during the civil rights provided a safe space for white and blacks alone to come together and coalesce in unity. The second reason was cohesive community institutions that paved the way for individuals to build social capital that allowed them to achieve, quote, the American dream. Churches, unions, and other organizations were what allowed this to thrive. But now, fewer Americans participate in these institutions, now being replaced by social media, thus sowing the seeds of division, creating what we call an echo chamber. What is an echo chamber, you ask yourself? It is an environment in which a person encounters only beliefs or opinions that coincide with their own, so that their existing views are reinforced and alternative ideas are not considered. I mean, with social media evolving to set our preferences to only follow, see posts or accounts that we like and agree with, echo chambers have overrun how we perceive the information that is given to us. You see this a lot in uh, different social media circles like such as QAnon, where they only um, repeat Trump rhetoric or conservative-like rhetoric that just doesn't really coincide with the reality of life here in America. Online communities have been sorted into two primary echo chambers, both present with anger and resentment towards one another. According to the Aspen Institute, they classify the first as being made of elites, corporate and establishment politicians alike who hoard their social capital from the rest of Americans. One article from the HuffPost gives an example of having connections with a wealthy businessman or senator can lead to a huge jump in life by using their resources at their disposal and only like-minded people exchange these connections leaving many Americans in the dark and on our own. Quote, communities with social capital not only provide ramps for the success of their individual members, they feed into a feeling of, quote, ownership, the ability and perception that the individuals in those communities can influence their direction and the direction of the country, end quote, meaning that they alone feel like they're the only ones capable to hold the keys to the nation and influence life on a national scale. And any other individual doesn't thrive in this country is simply not trying hard enough or pulling themselves up by their bootstraps. You see this a lot with um, the, dispar the racial disparity in politics in America. A lot of white conservative 
senators and congressmen always complain about why people of color or people of lower socioeconomic classes don't just work hard and come ahead. Well, the fact is, is that those people don't have the same opportunities as the ones that you're hoarding. So it creates this whole environment of us versus them. And that itself is tearing apart the nation. The vast majority of American voters have come to realize that they have less and less social capital. Elites and establishment politicians seem to not care about the needs of others and their constituents and have become more concerned with maintaining profit margins and maintaining office. In the past, the sturdy social institutions like churches, unions, and religious organizations provided Americans with a voice that was heard. But as these institutions disappear, that voice becomes mute. On top of this, the establishment elite use every tool at their disposal to influence the outcomes of every part of our lives, such as lobbyists and super PACs, to keep opposing legislation from passing. Give you an example. The NRA has lobbied against any kind of gun control from 1998 to 2016, and they have spent $203.2 million in that time span. The corporate elite also uses their informal networks of people like alumni of Ivy League universities to help each other pursue and or defend personal agendas to keep people of color and lower class students from enrolling. According to MarketWatch, Ivy League schools have kept black enrollment between 8 to 10 percent consistently since for decades. This second echo chamber is made up of non-elites, or rather, the rest of us, who no longer feel the promise of the American dream and are lacking access to social capital bridges. While clearly many Americans know this and are fed up with the system, we are still holding each other down with our opposing views. So why do we repeat this cycle? For one, we have become conditioned to attack any opposing view and treat it as hostile to our way of life. Just visit any comment section. Like I keep saying, go on Facebook, go to the comics, go on YouTube, go to the comments, go on any opinion piece on any news site. Social media has created a haven of regurgitated information that makes us blind to the socioeconomic and civil issues that we all face. Although the elite benefit from this and do nothing to fix or address the problem, they also disproportionately bombard their conservative constituents with misinformation, leading to a social media warfare amongst two of the largest groups of people in this country, Democrats and Republicans. According to Slate, conservatives are more likely to value stability, conformity, and order. And they have a difficult time tolerating novelty, ambiguity, uncertainty, and they are more moralistic, and they are more likely to repress unconscious drives towards unconventional sexuality. Well, what does this mean? It means that at its core, conservatives value the same old, same old things. Any new ideas are met with resistance, 
any new knowledge is met with distrust because whatever the party leader says is the word of God according to them. And this big lie that Republican voters fall for only, only serves for conservative lawmakers to perpetuate their agenda. It's not a coincidence that in the past five years, social media, conservative social media circles spew Trump rhetoric as truth when he's made 30,573 false or misleading claims to the public, according to the Washington Post. Misinformation has become so prevalent, it's entered our most sacred right as Americans, our elections. The Mueller report, officially named Report on the investigation onto, into Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election stated that Russia, in conjunction with the campaign of Donald Trump, used an IRA, or an Internet Research Agency, otherwise known as Troll Farm, to wage a social media campaign that favored presidential candidate Donald J. Trump and disparaged presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. They also used fake social media profiles disguised as Americans promoting their agendas. And they also used AI and known as bots to promote this misinformation. AI in the wrong hands can be very damaging to not just American society but to the humanity. It's no wonder why we're at war with each other. The elite manufacture systems of oppression against American citizens to keep us occupied fighting one another while they roam free executing their agendas. But wait, aren't social media platforms supposed to safeguard our eyes from the lies and misinformation spewed by these corrupt elite? Well, yeah, but guess what? Money's more important. It's more important than you, your family, your loved ones, Everyone you care about. These billionaire CEOs who only want to maximize clicks and ad revenue have lost their way from being so simple social media interaction platforms into money-sucking platforms. This brings me to my next topic, the responsibility of social media platforms. One of my favorite quotes from the Spider-Man comics is, with great power, comes great responsibility. This same power that social media platforms wield, they unfortunately don't follow this advice. Platforms like Facebook especially have thrived on misinformation. While its CEO Mark Zuckerberg has said it doesn't want fake news on its platform, the truth is Facebook has profited enormously from unchecked biased news sources promoting its articles on its website. While Zuckerberg claims Facebook is not a news outlet According to the Pew Research Center, 44% of all Americans who have Facebook profiles read or watch the news on its website. According to a Forbes article in 2016, Facebook made $7 billion in its third quarter revenue from 2 million monthly advertisers, noting that fake news accounted for more shares, reaction, and comics comments than real news. But just how much? The same article states fake news got a 54.2% of the clicks 
which is just another way of saying the ad revenue from someone interacting with that particular link compared to a 45.8% on interacted real news sites during the last three months coinciding with the presidential campaigns of the 2016 election. How did we get this number? According to BuzzFeed, they noted that at key points in the election campaign, the top 20 fake news stories generated 8,700,000 shares, reactions, and comments on Facebook, while the top 20 real stories garnered only 7.3 million shares and reactions and comments. So there's no real financial incentive for Facebook to stop fake news from being on its platform. If corporate businesses won't take responsibility, why doesn't the American government act against misinformation? Well, it's public understanding that misinformation and fake news has been around way before the internet. It's old news. Just look at tabloids and other forms of sensationalist media. We have been conditioned to be attracted to it. Fake news disguises itself as actual fact-based reporting. According to a research paper, paper from Yale Law School written by the Information Society Project and the Floyd Abrams Institute for Freedom of Ins Expression, press branding campaigns that attempt to distinguish between traditional journalism or respectable news sources of media and propaganda or outright lies have not been an ineffective means of reestablishing the authority of the press. This is primarily due to the social reasons to prioritize peer-determined truth over previously authoritative voices. The psychological realities of tribalism, the power of confirmation bias, and the dopamine surges associated with outrage. Well, what does this mean? Well, Media outlets that spread misinformation use people's biases, socioeconomic realities, and beliefs against one another to undermine real news and create, a, create doubt and simulate a sense of distrust fueled by echo chambers, where existing ideas are reinforced and make it nigh impossible for the reality of the situation to be present. And this makes it just as hard for legislation to pass against misinformation when half of American voters don't see just how harmful fake news really is. Lawmakers are equally as baffled as how to treat this new plague among social media. The law has had little time to catch up to the new age of information. There are very little precedents to look to for how to deal with the ever-growing number of blatantly violations of the law. You see this all the time. You see this with QAnon, you see this in other forms of social groups, you see this on any side of the political spectrum. People who just focus and stay in their echo chambers don't really see the reality of everyone else and causes everyone to just think it's us versus them. So is that it? Are we doomed to be chained by misinformation? Will corporate interests and current politicians continue to dictate how we extrapolate information? The future of information appears to be bleak. But us as humans, 
there is grace in our failures. This allows us to always be, to always step in front of our problems and meet the challenges head on. We have a new president, one that does not solely rely on social media to divide us, who does not constantly lie to achieve a particular agenda. There has also been the largest number of people of color that's elected into office in recent years that have been inspired by the little change in this country. A voice saying that enough is enough. There are still many issues to solve that CEOs will fight tooth and nail to keep in place to maximize profits. Echo chambers that continue to plague platforms and play into this division. Establishment politicians to unseat. We as human beings need to understand one another. Realize that we have much more in common as Americans. We all bleed red. We all suffer the same. No amount of money, influence, or barrier can keep us apart if we don't let it. If we learn to love one another, whether you believe in his existence or not, a simple but wise man once said, love one another as I have loved you. In these difficult and unsure and chaotic times, love is what will bridge us together. Our job is to begin the first step of stepping out of our comfort zones and putting ourselves in each other's shoes. Only then will we set in motion to bridge the social capital once more and regain our independence to think for ourselves and to directly impact how we fix our own issues. Thank you for joining me today. I hope I opened your mind to new thoughts and ideas and new ways of thinking. I hope you take from this something positive. I hope you share it with your friends. I hope you share it with your family. Whether or not you agree with me, always keep an open mind. Thank you so much for listening in. And I'll see you guys next time. Josue out.